0: welcome to the cabling podcast remember to punch down on that like button and also subscribe to cabling news hello and welcome i'm matt vincent senior editor with cabling installation and maintenance magazine i'm joined today by the brand's chief editor and editorial director patrick mclaughlin we're here today with uh the ethernet alliance uh ethernet alliance chair and uh, cisco uh, distinguished uh, engineer peter jones and his counterpart, Sam Johnson of Intel, who is the co-chair of the Ethernet Alliance High-Speed Networking Subcommittee. Welcome, gentlemen.
1: Thank you. Welcome. Nice to be here, guys.
0: So uh, to begin, Peter and Sam, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves and uh, your uh, work and involvement with uh, the Ethernet Alliance? Okay,
1: so I'll go first. So my... My background is I've been with Cisco for a very long time, building campus switches, um, transitioning as I went up to be less and less useful and do more and more talking. Um, And I now sort of have um, a really a look across almost the entire Ethernet product that Cisco builds. And to go along with that, I I get involved in Ethernet standards. And of course I do the Ethernet lights. And so I do a lot of talking about Ethernet
2: as a core technology. And if we get it really right, almost no one needs to think about it,
3: Sam. There, I, I'm an engineering manager at Intel in the Intel's Cloud Networking Group, and my team is the Link Applications Engineering Team. So we support mostly Layer One uh, applications, so more on the customer side, um, for the the Cloud Networking Group products, which is our Ethernet controllers, our SmartNics, which we call IPUs, and um, our SoCs with integrated Ethernet. Um, so we're mostly focused on the electrical side of that, and I, I started out in, at Intel in 2010 doing electrical layer debug, um, mainly on 10 gig KR backplane, so back when that was the first the first 10 gig serial Ethernet protocols, um, and th- that technology became the basis for a lot of what we're doing in Ethernet today, and so I was able to leverage that that role into some development work and now a, a managerial role where my my team continues some of that debug and enablement
2: efforts so sam what do you consider the lowest speed that you're mostly interested in
3: my team um so whenever we release a new product we we have a lot of uh, backwards compatibility um opportunities and so the the products that we're releasing we still support speeds down to 100 meg um but the you know the target speeds for for our products are one and 200 gig right now um so my team, really, we try to focus on kind of 25 gig and up. And generally speaking, that fits nicely with my Ethernet Alliance role as well. Um, and we have uh, partner teams who do more of the 10 gig and below type of
2: work. And and that, that now we have good context, but I'll remind you that Sam and I are
1: both speaking with Ethernet Alliance hats on.
0: Right. Yep. <laughs> we'll remember
1: that.
4: So, uh, oh, i Patrick- have to actually
1: get an Ethan Lights hat that will make my life easier. That's it, just right. put, it on.
4: Just put it on when you need it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks very much, gentlemen. Thank you for being here. And, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to open up the conversation with, uh, to use something of a cliche, um, a topic that is walk before you run, before you fly. And, and Sam, I think, um, I think the technologies that 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 you can discuss with high speed networking are the are the flying part. And and I um I would like to open up by walking. So maybe, maybe Peter, I'm looking squarely at you when when I want to talk about of all things, copper uh based Ethernet. Um so if I if I could, um, of course, with 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 so much attention on on high speed and the next generation of speeds, it could be easy to overlook what's happening in copper based Ethernet networking. And from my perspective with cabling installation and maintenance, I see a couple of applications, um, you know, maybe sort of holding the day for, for copper. One being power over, map, very strongly established and, and uh, um, popular, remaining popular in place for a long time. Another being single pair. So to me, it looks like those might be the applications that sort of keep uh, copper on the map, so to speak. Uh, for, for Ethernet and wondered, Peter, if I could sort of send that your way and see if you see it similarly or if there's more that I should know about what's going on with copper.
1: So, yeah, that's that's a softball. So I, I actually I had a conversation when I was at OFC with um, one of my, see, I have to check out the name. Anyway, so the, he wrote an article that says don't bet against Ethernet Now I would say never bet against copper. So, you know, as you know, um, I'm going to make the argument Ethernet 1 because it could run over and install decos, uh, installed infrastructure when you go back in the day. And since then, copper has dominated the access layer in the enterprise. And it also, for a long time, dominated the access layer in the DC. Now, there was base T right. for a while. Now it's gone mostly to DAC, right? So every time we come up with a, you can't go faster than this, we've often got around it. So my guess is that in the access layer in the DC, and Sam can actually speak more to this, Um there's going to be transition from DAC to higher speeds. What's not clear to me is how fast that actually happens. But if I look at the enterprise world and if I look at the industrial world, my like copper is here to stay. And fundamentally, I see this as the difference between um, assets that can get recabled really fast and ones that can't. So if I have a building, right, it might get recabled every 25 years. If it's a factory, maybe every 40. So that infrastructure is there, is not going away. So when I think about it, it's like if I need a technology, I need to be able to deploy it. So I'm going to guess if you went and basically looked at the hyperscaler and they basically changed their access layer, they can probably change all those cables. Now, what I'm not sure is at what point does something like an AOC become cheaper than a DAC?
3: Um, Sam, you might have a view on that. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I mean, really where I think Peter's right, copper is not going to go away. Um, You know, we we do see that as we get to higher and higher speeds, and, and when I say speeds, I really am talking about how, what our data rate per lane is, right? We know that, you know, multi-lane applications that can get you faster and faster, but, um, you know, even at a uh, hundred gig per lane, you know, where we're looking at 800 gig stuff right now but on running on eight lanes, we're still targeting two meter copper cables. Now that gets you some, you know, that's kind of your your top of rack connection to your, to your servers uh, and, and maybe not a whole lot else, but a copper cable, just from purely from a power perspective is always going to be a desirable thing right if you if you can get away with a copper cable your customers are going to want to do it they're going to be cheaper cables and they're going to dramatically lower your your power burden of your data center Um, and really your your highest speed connections are going to be you know some of your your infrastructure like your uh, switching fabric things like that so your you know switch to switch connection some of the backbone of that data center going to want to be utilizing the absolute fastest speeds that we can but the reason that the products in in my team that we support you know they they go up to 200 gig and we're starting to see more demand for 200 gig but really 25 gig and 100 gig is like the bread and butter of the market right now right. Um, because those those more endpoints are not going to need to be running at 800 and 1.6 terabytes for many 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 years until it's you know the it, switches it's are
2: or, it's sort of interesting speeds. because Perhaps there it, is the there's the what the down. what the bleeding edge is doing mm-hmm.
1: and there's what people are actually adopting exactly. um and i think we need we need to be so for instance you know we were showing off at ooc we were showing off 800 i think as um as some amount of split out and we have a a standard that's coming up to do 800 1.6 right but the things in data center is you're starting to get the stage where you're really bounded by power density and heat density in Iraq. And while many people could go and build a server that could drive those really high speeds, I don't think we're any near, anywhere near that being the right return on investment. So no. while, while our hyperscaler colleagues want to take every it it new speed, they also want to take it where it makes money. So I think you've got to remember the difference between the bleeding edge and the, the vast volume of the market. Excellent. So do do not sell your copper shares yet. We're going to need copper for a very long time.
4: I was very heartened to hear that at OFC, uh, the 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 optical fiber conference, that, that copper was a topic of conversation. I'm glad it made its way in, and, and appreciate you sharing that conversation that you had. Thank you.
3: I will say the the and it's you know kind of it's conjecture at this point because the standards are still in development. But when you're looking at the 200 gig per lane protocols, uh. Copper is going to have a real hard time competing just because of the, you know, the loss at those speeds. You're you're pulling millivolts out of the noise there, um, and this stuff's already uh, pretty much black magic. But I think it's going to be really challenging at at that sort of next generation of speeds. But the fact is, is that those connections relative to the the vast port counts, right, is um, where copper is still a, a player is. You know, there's a lot of dollars there, but the, the number of ports is is small, for sure. I mean, the,
2: maybe to summarize that, right? I think in general, right? Aside, probably
1: aside from 10 megabits, everything at speed has first come out on optical and then has moved to copper, right? And the only question really is, when does that change over? Now, it might well be the case that 20 gig per lane just becomes too hard, but I would not write off the ingenuity of engineers.
2: For sure. <laughs>
0: Thank yeah, you. Sort Thank of getting you. to that point, I wanted to ask uh, one of the questions uh, that I that I had here. It's uh, It seems to be what you're uh, speaking to. Uh, there was a recent Ethernet Alliance blog uh, for our, our sibling brand uh, Lightwave that pointed out that uh, data center architectures needed for 200G and 400G and beyond will have to look uh, completely different than those uh, built for 100G and uh, lower. Is, uh, can you just sort of uh, extend on that point
3: so some of what that was, um, I, I saw your question ahead of time and I went and I, I kind of peeked at the article to see what it was referencing. Some of what that was actually referring to was not necessarily the, the physical infrastructure, but more of the, the data, um, the data layer, the data processing. And so one of the things that we see, um, you know, we're seeing a, a, a trend towards a huge growth in the smart NIC market a lot of that is used for infrastructure support within the data center. So if you can run a lot of your infrastructure applications on a on a SmartNIC, you know, an Intel IPU, as we're you know pushing it, but there you know a number of uh, devices that are doing these types of applications. Um, they are they're looking to maximize your compute power, right? Your data center has a whole bunch of computers you pay a lot of money for, and you can sell that to your end users. So the, the more of that compute power you have to sell, the better. So there's infrastructure, I'd say, you know, architecture changes for how that infrastructure is being managed. But at the end of the day, the, um, you know, the physical cabling infrastructure, I think the things that you guys are looking at, it's really just a matter of physics, right? It's uh, just the, the types of connections that you have, whether they're running on optical, can they run on an AOC, can you get away with a DAC, things like that. So I
2: don't know that what you're saying is there's a there's sort of a blending between
1: what you traditionally consider the compute slash server and the network. Right. And stuff sort of moves a little bit backwards and forwards there.
3: Yeah. And they're looking at, you know, even um, that there's a trend towards some of that compute moving outside of the data center. You know, there's there's a lot of shifts that frankly is not my area of expertise. My team like. We get link up, and then we're like, All right, we're out, we're on to the next problem. But, um, but yeah, that's you know, so, that's so, my understanding
2: so you, you only care about delivering bits, you're not you don't care so much about what's what's in the bits,
3: absolutely. <laughs> yep,
0: we might have gotten a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, Peter, you just mentioned uh, OFC uh, 23 a uh, couple of weeks ago or last week. I uh, so I just wanted to ask both of you for uh, any uh, highlights, uh, notable uh, points that, that you uh, came away from uh, the show with and uh, also to speak a little bit about the uh, interoperability uh, demo? Of course, uh, we saw the uh, the pictures, but uh, just wanted to get your uh, input there.
1: So I'll go first. So it was my first OFC because traditionally I've been more on the copper side of the house. It looks like we lost Patrick. Um, it was a really fun show. Um, there's lots of very cool stuff to see. Um, So, I got to talk about the roadmap a lot, but in detail about the actual technology, I'm going to pass it directly
2: to Sam, who actually was much more involved in in driving that successful demonstration than I was.
3: Sure. So, yeah, the the interoperability uh, demo that we had there, we had 18 different vendors. Um, So, you know, Ethernet Alliance is all about bringing different companies together and showing us all working using the same technologies. So, we supported speeds uh, in that demo, we had speeds from 25 gig up to 800 gig Uh, we had participants from transceiver and cabling vendors we had a bunch of test and measurement devices Uh, we had switches and then we also had um, some server components so network controllers as well as just like physical layer test chips and things Uh, we covered we had or we had 800 gig on copper with auto negotiation link training running we had multiple 400 and 800 gig switch fabrics um, running on, including one that was uh, ZR and OpenZR plus, Plus. Um, and then we had a uh, multiple different combinations showing various breakout mechanisms and how, you know, sort of your possibilities for how you can uh, take advantage of ethernet to support your infrastructure needs. That was kind of what we were, that kind of summarizes what we were
2: highlighting there in our booth. And, uh, and uh, the you... awesome thing about it was, the awesome thing about it was when you put it together, it worked first time, right? Yeah, we showed up uh, Tuesday morning,
3: plugged it in, <laughs> called it a day.
0: <laughs> Did you detect a uh, high degree of uh, interest uh, from uh, attendees uh, coming through to uh, look at that stuff? Was it the first time a lot of uh, people had seen that uh, degree of technology uh, on display? Did you get the feeling? Yeah. Um...
3: It's hard to say, you know, a lot of people there, you know, they're, they're showcasing some of these 100 gig per lane, even there was, I think, six different people with 200 gig per lane technologies on display at OFC. Uh, But what, where I think Ethernet Alliance has a distinguishing characteristic is that you, any given booth, it can be really difficult to know, like, is this something that is going to infiltrate the market that's going to be around for a decade or is this a really cool science project that proves what we're capable of? But like, is that going to gain traction in the market? Is it going to win out? And I think that um, you know IEEE has a huge influence on, on where those markets go, right? Once we have a, a standard in place for something that gives multiple vendors a place to be using the same technologies to, to compete in that market. Um, and so, A lot of what's there, it has maybe very specific applications. Ethernet Alliance, you know, we're running on standards-based technologies, and we're really just kind of showing, like, look, this is not one company that proved they can do something really cool with themselves and are going to go out and try and sell that to as many people as they can. This is 18 different companies all using the same technologies coming together and showing that the technology is is solid and and is, you know, usable and, and ready, things like that. I think that's so, maybe how I would I distinguish it a bit. Yeah, I
2: want to chime in on that for a second. So one of the cool things is going to the OAF booth, where they're showing off
1: the latest and greatest, more bleeding-edge technology. It's all open boards and separate fans and stuff. But not all technologies make the jump from um, OAF to Ethernet Alliance. So you know, to be a little flip, right? In OAF, it just about works. In the Ethernet Alliance booth, it almost always works. Right, it's 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 the goal to when technology becomes adoptable.
0: Understood. Um, well, uh, you know, there's no more adoptable uh, technology uh, than uh, Ethernet, as the history of the technology has shown, and we know that it's the fiftieth anniversary of the technology. And of course, we just ran with uh, the big story with uh, Bob Metcalf winning the ACT uh, touring award um, called the uh, Nobel Prize of Supercomputing uh, in the press release that I read. So uh, Peter, uh, any uh, remarks on uh, on that anniversary and that award that you could offer
1: for our audience? Sure. I mean, so I'm going to make the simple joke, which is if is almost as old as I am now. It's always been true, but it sounds better with the 50th anniversary. Um, you know, I think the, the thing is that we've had a technology which was invented before many of the users of it were born. Most everyone doesn't need to know how it works, but it's fundamentally transformed how we how we how we live. I mean if you think about it, almost everything or everything that goes across the internet runs across Ethernet. And so as I think I mentioned earlier, it's one of the best inventions that no one actually needs to know about. Of course that is frustrating when you're telling a value story, but it's just true. So I think the acknowledgement for Bob Metcalf on his personal contribution and also the contribution of Ethernet to the world, having that recognized the 50th anniversary is awesome. Now, I will mention it is ACM, not ATM, but I don't know if you read it, but if the uh if you've read or seen the biographies of Turing, right? I think this is a it's a very, very good award to see because it's recognizing what we've enabled out there in the world. Developing technology in and of itself is not that interesting to me. I, I don't care. I want to see it adopted. And the key thing about Ethernet is it has been adopted everywhere.
0: Absolutely, and uh, going back uh, to uh, to a document that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, the uh, and tying into this point that you just made, uh, the Ethernet uh, our ro- roadmap. If we were to go around uh, the wheel of uh, the Ethernet roadmap, uh, could you just pick out? And any uh highlights in terms of uh standards uh that are in development or uh that we're going to see uh within the upcoming year uh being uh extended uh off of that uh, roadmap.
1: So so someone else sort of asked me this and the answer is like in standards world, a year is not a very long time. But if I look at the if I look at the roadmap, right, in, in the top in the main segment is enterprise, which is sort of where you know the core of Ethernet has been and probably always will be. Um, if you move across to the right, you go through service provider, which is where the bleeding edge used to be. And you go, And Then you go to hyperscalers, which, which is where the bleeding edge to, is today, because the hyperscalers are driving all the higher speeds. Now, if you go on the other side, if you go from the left, um, you end up with automotive. And automotive is, is a huge topic topical by itself, which we don't tend to deal with so much because there's a bunch of other organizations that deal with it. But there's a clear goal from the automotive industry to basically be able to build an all-ethernet car for a whole lot of reasons. And if you keep going to the left, you end up in the OT space, um, which is where I'm actually particularly interested because the convergence of IT and OT, I think, is a critical technology right, to enable industry 4.0, 5.0, whatever you want to call it. I think that the OT world, in terms of complexity and technologies and protocols, is sort of where IT was in the late 80s, early 90s. right? They have a boatload of different physical interfaces, protocol standards, et cetera. I think we have an enormous opportunity to move them onto the common you know, Ethernet um, IP stuff, and we'll see the sorts of innovation unleashed in, in, in the OT world that IT saw, you know, between 1990 and 2000. So I think the, not so much new standards, but the adoption of technology, right, is just going as really fast. Now, it is true
2: that OT guys adopt fairly slowly, but I think the business cases are becoming, right, unarguable.
3: But the the technologies that they're adopting in those spaces are tried and true and have been around for, you know, 20 years or more, right? So the, like Peter said, there's not a lot of standards development in that space. Well, you know, well, I, single I, pair Ethernet, right? We're actually doing a bunch of it.
1: So a large amount of the OT side is actually the people in that world are very conscious of risk. And so they need to transition because their expectations of their users are much higher than ours. So it's an enormous opportunity. It's just going to take us a while to work through that. And so the, the adoption rate in OT is much lower than the adoption rate in like of the hyperscalers where they're just basically taking anything that the industry can provide.